in our replays of it that Steph was frustrated. And that's why he threw the mouthpiece. Because the shot you took, he wanted it to hold on to the ball longer. How do you balance making decisions and being aggressive as a young player on this team? Okay, I know you wanted to have, you have like a Warriors rant you want to go on for like five minutes, so. Well, I was, so here's the thing. I was going to go on a nice little rant to start this, right? But a little redemption happened. I'm still really pissed at the end of this Warriors-Grizzlies game, right? So for context, Golden State was down 10 with like five minutes left, like made a really nice comeback. Steph was on one towards that latter part of the fourth, like hitting threes, drawing fouls, salvaging possessions, picking up loose balls, like scoring layups. Like he was doing it all. And there was one possession where big momentum shift, Golden State just got to stop. You know, Clay went for this like dagger three. They missed. They get another stop on the other end. They come back. They run a nice little offensive set, get an offensive rebound that gets tipped out to Jordan Poole. And at this point, there's 14 seconds on the shot clock. You want to give it to your hot guy. You want to give it to Steph Curry so he can reset things and, you know, try to find a way to close this game out like he had been doing to this point. But Poole, for a brief second, in a very J.R. Smith moment, just takes the open three. And it's deep. Like, it's not just like a standard, like, nice corner three wide open. Like, it is five to six feet behind the three-point line. And no matter how good of a shooter you think you are, no matter how important you may be to this team, you let Steph Curry get the ball in that situation. With a shot clock reset in a clutch game, there is no excuse for doing that. And what followed pissed me off even more than the shot. Steph Curry throws his mouthpiece. First of all, does not hit a fan. Nothing. But part of me was like, oh, maybe don't do that. But whatever. I don't even care to this point. The officials eject Steph. Give him a technical. He's gone. Done. And two reasons why this was huge. One, obviously, like Steph never gets ejected. The only times he's ever gotten ejected in his career has been for throwing his mouthpiece. That is his one fatal flaw right and two this is like rivalry week this is one of the most marquee matchups up-and-coming memphis team who thinks they've already won the west like a prideful golden state team who you know despite their struggles this season will get up to face the best teams like they will hold their own and to eject steph in a game where people actually care people are watching and it's it's as tight as it is. That's inexcusable by the officials. Like, there should be referee suspensions for what happened tonight. And I know Poole salvaged it all with this nice end-of-game layup to, you know, 1.2 seconds left. Like, nice inbounds play. They Memphis sent three people at Clay. okay? I don't want to hear this talk of Clay is washed. At the end of the game, with Steph out, they sent three people at Clay Thompson, okay? He still matters so much in this goddamn league. And Poole gets a layup over Zaire Williams, who actually should probably be playing in the G League at this point. He missed every single three he took. He, you know, missed easy lob connections with Jaw the entire game. This is so different than the Zaire Williams I saw in the playoffs last year. Anyways, tangent aside, I thought the officiating for that moment was inexcusable. I thought the shot was inexcusable by Jordan Poole. Luckily, all is well. I think this is the type of game that changes the season. And I've said that for like five different games so far. But this truly actually might be the one. You know, Jordan Poole and Steph like in the tunnel after the game. After Roz gave one of the greatest post-game questions to Jordan Poole. She literally asked him, you know that 
people are saying, and it looked like Steph was upset with the shot you took. Like at that point, he didn't know that. He didn't know that's why Steph threw the mouthpiece. So Roz was telling him and he was hearing that for the first time. Those are the types of questions we want to hear as fans. Those are the questions that, you know, are the, the worthwhile questions answering as a player. Like, I don't want to hear, oh, like, we really held it together, you know, it was crunch time and we all stepped up, guys made plays. We hear that same cliche nonsense all the time. And I was so happy Roz asked that question to JP. More importantly, in the tunnel afterwards, Jordan pulled through his mouthpiece when he saw Steph and the two hugged. So all is well that ends well. Warriors win, tight game. Memphis stop the talking and actually win some games you're 0-4 on this west coast road trip i don't need to hear you guys talk about how i don't fear anyone in the west clearly you can't beat the state of california so focus on that that's that's what i gotta say on tonight's game that was almost a perfectly timed five minute rant i just have to say a lot of comedy in that rant especially when you call for the referees to get like suspended that was a fine call he threw his mouthpiece he should have gotten ejected if he didn't do it on the ground, it didn't hit. It anybody. doesn't matter. He could have hit an ant. Okay, the fact that it's it's a hostile act. Okay, it's basically like mouse at the palace level throwing your mouthpiece. Hostile act. There's no second shooter of Kennedy, bro. A, There's no goddamn hostile act here. It's a hostile act equivalent, if not at least, to the mouse at the palace. You know, it's it's really just and. I don't, I don't subscribe to this nonsense of, oh, it's a marquee matchup. There are fans. The referee shouldn't eject this. It doesn't matter. If he if he punched a guy, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he should have been ejected. You're not going to think. The refs aren't going to think, oh, it's a marquee matchup. Fans came out here to watch Steph. That's not why. Otherwise, Jimmy Butler would have played yesterday. Okay? So I want to hear that nonsense. He should have gotten ejected. That was fine. And, yeah, I mean, I, I do like the fact that we didn't – like, we only found out Jordan Poole didn't know – because of the post-game question, I, I do want more hard-hitting journalism like that. I think specifically they should ask Jordan Poole every single time in post-game if he does play well. Specifically, you know, ask him to single out who sitting courtside he was playing for that night, you know? Because I think that's the reason why. Shooters got to shoot, you know? And he, he shot a shot more ways than one, I'm sure, tonight. So I'm entirely convinced. I'm going to go back and watch some highlights and, you know, really try and figure out, like, you know, because I think that's the only reason why Jordan Poole did that instead of giving it to Steph. But uh, yeah, moving on to the to the, to the NFL, uh, please, the, please the let's move on. Main reason to the episode. Uh, well, I, I'm ten for ten right now with this playoffs, which I think is pretty good. Uh, yeah, but your team was zero for one. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because I knew they were going to lose, and I called my shot that they were going to lose. So I'm really trying to get both these games correct. But these are some actually difficult matchups to predict. Uh, we can start off with the NFC. Niners versus Eagles at Philadelphia. Line Vegas has is minus two and a half is, is what I'm seeing for the Eagles. So the Eagles are the slight favorite here. But, I mean, it seems like it's going to be a close game. Maybe just a field goal separates the two teams. Probably roster-wise, the two most complete teams in the league. If you don't count injuries, I would say it's one and two between these two teams for sure. Uh, I'm giving the edge to the Eagles personally. I just think that I didn't like what I saw out of the San Francisco offense last week as much. The you know Cowboys have a great defense. I think significantly better than the Eagles. Sorry, not the Eagles. The the Giants. So we were able to see a much more difficult matchup for the Niners, and we did see a lot of 21 personnel, like I talked about on last week's episode. But it wasn't utilized very effectively. And talking to some friends, they think Shanahan's hiding some stuff up his sleeve for this game. 
I don't think that's the. I mean, that's a, being very presumptuous to assume that you know your base game plan is going to allow you to be the Cowboys. They have a very solid defense in general, uh, so I think it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for this San Francisco offense that you know really struggled in that game. I felt like so. No, I mean for for all the the flack we give the Cowboys offense for that performance and how much we can generally clown that franchise, like. The defensive game plan was excellent, and I think it was about as well as a team could have handled an offensive personnel like the Niners last week, right? Like, we we saw when the Micah Parsons-Trent Williams matchup was, you know, favoring the Niners at a certain point. They moved Parsons to match up against McGlinchey, at which point he started dominating this game. Like, Micah Parsons almost single-handedly ruined the entire Niners offensive game plan. And on top of that receivers not named Brandon Ayuk really struggled to get separation for most of this game. George Kittle was the ultimate bailout guy for Brock Purdy in this game, I thought. Um, A lot of moments where Purdy looked like the rookie quarterback we thought he was. I thought he did a great job. You know, the numbers say he didn't turn the ball over, and I thought a lot of his play actually reflected that. Like, he consciously, when he had to take the sack, he took the sack. When he needed to throw the ball away, he threw the ball away. Yeah, there were a couple of passes that should have been picked, could have been picked. The The Trayvon Diggs drop that came off of a de- deflection comes to mind first. But I thought Purdy acquitted in his, sorry, Purdy acquitted himself decently well for it being that type of game, you know, where you're facing such an imposing, intimidating defense. Meanwhile, for the Eagles, their defense represents similar challenges, right? Like, They had 70 sacks this season, and if you look into it closer, 23 of those sacks came in three games for the Eagles, so 47 in the other 14 doesn't necessarily reflect the, oh my god, they had 70 in the season, but it's still a formidable pass rush. They're led by outside linebacker Hassan Reddick, who I'm shocked he wasn't a defensive player of the year finalist. The the finalists were... It, uh, correct me if I'm not mistaken. Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, and I'm forgetting the third. How am I forgetting the third? Quarterback. Who is the third defensive player of the year? Uh, is it Sauce? No, it's Chris Jones. Chris Jones, right. I, I thought Hassan Riddick should have been considered as a finalist because he had 16... He had over 16 sacks. He had over five forced fumbles. He had 25 QB hits, and he had over three passes defense. That is so much versatility at that position. So he's going to be another game-breaker type player against this 49ers offense. Um, the Eagles are scary, man. They have they have like four or five guys who have over 10 sacks this season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they have Reddick, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat. And Brandon Graham all have 11 sacks or more. So it's a very scary, imposing defensive line. Um, Their cornerbacks really make plays. Like CJ Gardner-Johnson has improved so much this season. He had six interceptions on the year. Um, Darius Slay, you know, he's, I think he's a pro bowler this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, James Bradbury can play some good coverage. That The Eagles are a scary defense too. I I just think because of some late season injury concerns and they had a couple of bad games against Dallas and New Orleans, um, we're kind of underrating the impact that that defense has had the whole year and is what half of the reason why they had the best record in the NFL. So I 
I don't know. I think the Niners really do have to change some things from what they did last week because we saw they I thought they ran the ball a little too late. Like they went to that imposing punish the opponent run game. It took a while for them to establish that. And we usually don't see that with the Shanahan offense. Like he loves getting that going in the first quarter and relying on that. It's not something where you know, it just comes and goes like that. That's the way the Niners win football games. So I think that's going to be the key if the Niners hope to have any sort of like resounding offensive impact in this week's game. Yeah, the Eagles are a really complete football team and the Niners are also. But I think it does or you can see that Brock Purdy is a rookie and that definitely is something that we're seeing. But I think he's handling it super well. I'm very impressed with how he wasn't able to turn the ball over. His pocket presence is really, really good. And I think he did a great job in that game of just avoiding pressure when he could and making sure he didn't turn the ball over. It's going to be a super close game. I have the Eagles coming out on this one. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they're probably going to win. But I want the 49ers to win. I think it's always fun, you know, me living in in SF now and just in the Bay in general. First off, Mm -hmm. like your friends get happy. I think that's cool. But also it's cool when the local team makes it. You know, the Super Bowl parties are definitely a lot more fun and a lot less yeah, depressing. There's, all the, there's the drink specials at restaurants. Exactly. There's the food discounts. It's always a good time. I mean, I'm not a Warriors fan, but when the Warriors were in the finals, granted, it was a bit different because they do play here in the Super Bowls in Arizona. But still, you know, I do like the atmosphere. So I'm definitely rooting for the Niners. But just if you ask me who I thought think is going to win this game, I think the Eagles have a bit more momentum heading their direction in the sense that their offensive line looks really good. You know, Lane Johnson looks healthy, and Jalen Hurts looks healthy, and he looked really good against against that Giants team, and they're able to basically move the ball however they wanted to, and their defense is fantastic. So I really think, at the end of the day, it's going to be a very close game, but I think the Eagles will come out on top. Before I give you my prediction, let me ask you a question. Who are the five best players in this series? Or not series, what am I saying? In this game, who are the five best players? Because I saw Stephen A. do this bit. And I thought his answers were all wrong. Uh, so let me hear yours. Yeah, Nick Bosa, Christian McCaffrey, AJ Brown, uh, Trent Williams, mm-hmm. and then probably Hassan Reddick. Or uh, yeah, I would I would go Hassan Reddick. I was gonna say one of the cornerbacks on the Eagles, maybe Sl- no, I think Slayer I, or Bradbury, I, I, but. I think I saw. I mean, Redick. if anything, it would probably be CJ Gardner Johnson, but I I think Reddick is yeah. far and away the best defensive player on the Eagles, and yeah, like I think Reddick and Bosa for sure, Trent Williams for sure, AJ Brown, yeah, and you said Jalen Hurts too. No, one of the guys I didn't say Jalen Hurts. Um, I said Bosa, Trent Williams. I think you put CMC. Yeah, I put CMC. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. Yep. He's important, and he's just really good. Yeah, this feels like a Debo Samuel type of. I was I was gonna say that, but I'm not. It really depends. No, I'm not. I'm not even talking about like for the five best. Oh no, No, this just feels like a game in which like he's the key to unlocking, like a either a grounded offense or just just one play, like one flash in the play, like sixty four yard gain to like break things open. I think. I think there's a lot of expectations for the Eagles, right? Like playing at home, you have all of these like star players. You have a fan base that's been dying to go back to the Super Bowl since 2018. You 
It feels weird to say this. The Niners are almost playing with house money, right? But like, they also have won as many, I think, 11 or 12 games now in a row. No, well, of course. But it's one of those things where you're playing in a hot... Like, uh, you were talking about hostile acts earlier. This is a hostile environment. You have a rookie quarterback, right? And I, I know that we're going to keep saying rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback until he wins this whole goddamn thing. But... I mean, it, it's, it's it's a valid point to bring up. It is a valid point. It's, it, I mean, Jalen Hurts is an MVP finalist, for God's sakes. And Brock Purdy, you know, first of all, I don't even think he should have been an offensive rookie of the year finalist. But that's what he is. Like, there is a gap Chris in Olave the was way robbed. these guys play. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, so many people are robbed. What, Brees Hall, Olave? Like, yeah. You can name anyone. But <laughs> I think the Eagles win this, like... I still don't think it's going to be a shootout. Remember last week, like we were talking, like you nailed all the predictions. I I think the one thing I was like steadfast on was no, like, you were right. Was... I think it's going to be a, a like around twenty points per team type deal. Like I think it'll be like I think if the over under was like forty seven, I think that wouldn't be that bad. I think oh yeah, it's forty six and a half is the line. Forty six and a half. So. Mm. I think it's going to be like 27-21, man. Because yes, I I, lo- I like the Eagles' offense so much more than. The Cowboys offense. Um, I do think they're the better team. I think they're built to... <laughs> I mean, both these teams are built, but the Eagles are constructed in a way they're, their weaknesses can be hid because they have so they have so much depth at all of these positions. Like, the Niners' skill guys and everyone are all really, really good. If one player goes down, for example, on defense, like... We saw what happened in the regular season against like Atlanta and against Kansas City. Like it's it's not it's not built as deeply as the Eagles. So I think for that reason, Philly wins twenty seven twenty one, and we we both might just be completely wrong. <laughs> the Niners might just win this game like thirty five seventeen or some nonsense. Like I that, think it's twenty four twenty one Eagles, but I don't know if Shanahan brings out a new wrinkle. It's going to be incredibly hard. Shanahan's the wild card in all this, man. He's so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what the the defensive coordinator for the Eagles is still Jim Schwartz, right? Mm, I think. I feel is it is it? Why don't why do no, we it's not Jonathan know this? Gannon? Okay. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Wait, Jim Schwartz is what is he doing right now? I don't know. Probably retired. Jim Schwartz is the Browns defensive coordinator. Ah, uh, well, he was on the Eagles until was on the Eagles from 2016 and 2020. Oh, no, 2020, they, yeah. Well, they look very different than the Jim Schwartz defenses. Well, this Brandon Gannon like guy, ben, who whoever it is, has to has to make sure they do their homework. But no, Gannon's defense is the type that just dominates a game. The Jim Schwartz defenses are like the bend but don't, don't break, break which I, I hate. I hate that. I but as a Raider fan, I despise it. That's that's your motto, Ben. But don't break. Yeah. But let's talk about the AFC because I, I the NFC is truly a toss up. Like, well, like it's actually. I think like, this is also any... this is also a toss up too, and I think because of injuries, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, I think it'd be pretty much a clear favorite of Kansas City. But uh, you know, he's not walking with the. Boot I saw that. I saw. I was going to say in the press walking. conference today, he's walking. Not limping, no boot on. Uh, it's still going to be a close game, though. The Bengals' offense looks fantastic, but more importantly, their defense looks very stellar. They're doing mm-hmm. a really, really good job of holding good quarterbacks to to or limiting good quarterbacks. I'll say, 
And the line right now, Kansas City slightly favored at minus point. Like the spread is Kansas City minus point five, or I guess minus one. That at Arrowhead minus one is just a pick 'em, man. Yeah. So like, you you know you don't see teams, road teams being like plus one like that. That's just unbelievable. I think I think the Bengals are gonna win this one. I called the upset last week. I I think the Bengals are gonna win this one. I think the outdoor practice facility is really gonna help the Cincinnati Bengals team out. That's gonna be the the. They're, they're ace of this up the sleeve. Yeah, they're ace up the sleeve. I think that's for sure going to help them out. And I say that like jokingly, but also very seriously. You know, I don't know. This team is just, it's like, I think it's, I think they might win the Super Bowl if they make it. Um, I don't know because they've been, first of all, all this, the, the whole Eli Apple thing has been uh, like hilarious. Just straight comedy on Twitter. He's just been responding to everything like there's like videos of you know stefan diggs talking to josh allen like right before the game and saying like you know i was open here i was open there he's like oh you guys should go to couples therapy i'll pay for it like just didn't he also say have fun in cabo or something yeah have fun in like cancun it was like three two one cancun and then he used that like heart emoji that like damar hamlin has now made kind of like associated with that whole movement and the whole pray for damar love for damar that whole thing so a lot of a lot of inflammatory words from Eli Apple towards the uh, just just everywhere towards Buffalo, but now the whole Cincinnati defense is calling Arrowhead Burrowhead because Burrow's won his last two meetings against Kansas City. So there's a lot of chatter coming from this Bengals team, which is why I'm taking Kansas City. I think this is a this is a classic, like, oh, Cincinnati's looked unbelievable. Like, we're going to take the road team. This is still Arrowhead Stadium, man. Like, these are... It's going to be I loud. Think this is it's going to be crazy. the greatest home field advantage in the NFL. And you're going to have the presumptive MVP in Pat Mahomes. He's going to be angry after last year's game against Cincinnati where there were a couple of plays he should have made, and I think they were squarely on him, which is why Kansas City lost in that, like, tight overtime game last year. But... It, we, the concerns with the Chiefs going into this season were about the offense. Like, what happens when you lose Tyreek Hill? And Mahomes negated any of those concerns. Like, he's made plays with Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, of course, Travis Kelsey, who's just, like, the greatest slot receiver of all time. Like, I think it's... He plays a different position than a lot of tight ends. Like, I don't think he blocks as much. He doesn't do nearly as much in the, in the run game. But he is... He's making a claim for the greatest receiving tight end in NFL history. Um, Patrick Mahomes I saw just thing, elevates everyone around him to be better. He, he's. I'm not going to stop saying this until it's broke. He is the Stephen Curry of the NFL. Like Curry won a championship with spacing of Draymond Green and Kevon Looney. Okay, like he. Like, Andrew Wiggins became a 40% three-point shooter because of the looks that he got in this offense. Like, Steph changed the game, and Mahomes is changing the game in a very similar way in the NFL. Um, Also, shout-out Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's been one of the great stories of the season. Kansas City's run game every year is just a matter of, like, 
you guys aren't great, but you put up a lot of fantasy points every now and then. Like Clyde Edwards Hilaire had his like little moment. But during the playoffs, and... CH was always clutch, and then Damian Williams was really clutch too. Yeah. And then who was it before they, that? Like, I mean now like Jerick McKinnon has his moments, yeah. like Jerick McKinnon always of... had like one rush yard. It would only be one rush yard and then you'd have like thirty fantasy points because you get two touchdowns off of the stupid yeah. option shovel passes. But yeah, Pacheco. Pacheco Pacheco truly feels like a game changer, and like his speed once he gets to the outside is remarkable. Yeah. Like he runs hard. He, he's a good. He's really good back, at breaking so. tackles too. For yeah, yeah. And it's so funny. Like he wears number ten. Like every time he has the ball, I'm just like, oh my god, is that Tyreek Hill? Like I just like squint a little. Like he he's that fast. He's that explosive, and he complements Kansas City's offense really, really well. So yeah. predictions. I think it's gonna be Chiefs. Chiefs 31, Bengals 24. These predictions are so stupid because they just never actually... The score 31-28 Bengals, baby. But oh, You're really riding Cincinnati, huh? That outdoor practice facility, Joey Burrow. I don't know. I just It just seems with this team. I'm also entirely basing this prediction on the fact that Patrick Mahomes is not going to be 100%. Even though he doesn't have... Well, even though he doesn't have a boot, right... And he mm-hmm. seems to be walking fine. I think at the end of the day, the ankle is going to play some aspect of it. Because I think what makes Pat Mahomes the best quarterback in the league and the most dangerous, because I've watched it time and time again when he plays the Chargers, is his ability scramble. to scramble for first downs just to keep the play mm-hmm. alive. right? And if he's yep. not able to do that, then I really think that's going to make a difference. So yeah, that's, that's the reason why I'm saying the Bengals will win. I think regardless of how, you know, if he was 100%, it still would be a close game. They, I think the Chiefs would be favorites, but it'd be a close game at the end of the day because Joe Burrow is a very clutch human being. But I think in, in this situation, the the Bengals are going to win it. So, yeah, we're, you're right, and we'll we'll see how the health is probably like half a quarter into this game. Yeah, right? like if Mahomes isn't making those like third and five, like running for the first down, doing that classic stretch right before he steps out of bounds, like I I just associate that with Mahomes. But then now, I guess but... there's also the added factor, an added element of. Every time Patrick Mahomes does decide to scramble out of the pocket and potentially run for a first down, every single time somebody falls down near him, there's always a risk of re-aggravating that injury that objectively is now you know going to be probably triggered easier, right? Yeah. So Like every sack he takes is exactly. going to be focused on that ankle. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I, honestly, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see Chad Henney in this game. Because potentially if Mahomes something happens to him like again another situation where somebody rolls ankle in general usually wouldn't be that bad but two weeks of this he's out like you know for the second like half the second quarter whatever it is I I definitely see a possibility where Chad Honey's playing some part of this game at quarterback and if he's playing and he has to play I don't think we've seen it done before by Chiefs backups right that Mm -hmm. they somehow get that first down that they need but I yeah. don't think, especially if it's for a decent amount part, like a decent part of the game, that they need Patrick Mahomes to win this game. So the one, the one nice thing about the Chiefs' offense this year is that in years past, like with the threat of downfield weapons like a Tyreek Hill, like you can just detonate and Mahomes would just throw deep, and that's an element of the offense this year where they haven't gone to that as much. So I think when a backup comes in, like a Chad Henney, like. It's a more reasonable expectation that he can complete those like 10, 15 yard, like down the middle type passes to big targets like Kelsey, Juju, like 
I think that it's far more realistic this season, I would say, for a backup to come in and at least keep the game close compared to years past in which a huge element of their offense would just be taken out if Mahomes was hurt. So I think that's one like encouraging thing if you're a Chiefs fan. Another thing is like this isn't like Jalen Hurts getting an ankle like a high ankle sprain a week before a playoff game. Like he had like what 740 plus rushing yards in the season, like nine touchdowns, something like that. Like a significant part of his offensive game was the run game. Whereas with Mahomes, it's it's kind of like that early Aaron Rodgers thing where you use the runs when you absolutely have no option, but they always feel there. So he doesn't need it. Like he, you don't need the running game to be an MVP player if you're Patrick Mahomes, but it's just a small thing to consider. So I don't know. I'm not as down on the high ankle sprain as I, I probably should be, which is why I still think the Chiefs should be favored in this game. At this point, we really, we really don't know because the information that we have from reporters is, oh, he does have a high ankle sprain. It is going to be a limiting factor to some degree. But then we see with their eyes, he's walking fine. He has no boot. He doesn't seem to make a big deal out of it in his press conference today. So we just have no idea, which I think is good, right? It brings a little bit of mystique into the game. You know, adds a little bit of masala. But I think it's going to be a close game regardless. I just have no idea. You're on one side of it. I'm on the other. But it'll be, hopefully, I mean, I think last weekend was really good football weekend. Right, all four games. Yep. Actually, three of the games were, were quite close, and then one of the games the Giants participated in. So, we're we're so lucky with this final four. Yeah, like, I think this. I think these are really truly the four best teams in in the NFL. I never bought in on the Bills hype personally. So, ah, I see. I still did. I, I when you win as many games as they did, and you have the personnel that they do, you don't expect to lose a home game in Buffalo. I'm still shocked that it was that bad. Twenty seven to ten is. And it's also well, snowing you, outside, which seems to be their element. But because the no, Bengals, dude, this is because this the Bengals, team, like the Bengals have an outdoor practice facility, they're able to bear the elements. No, but it's so dumb. Like Buffalo built a team that I feel like should be playing in a dome. Like they have just ridiculous playmakers. They have guys like Allen can throw the hell out of the ball. But when it's snowing, you can't do that kind of stuff. Like, you can't utilize all your physical strengths when you play in the snow during the playoffs. And, you know, the way Buffalo is, they're going to win a ton of games every regular season. So they're going to have home field advantage. And that means playing in cold weather and playing in snow. And, like, just put a dome and I think you'll be fine. I think that's that's my, like, Bill's conspiracy. Just build a dome. I think there was that one snow game i'm not sure if it was a playoff game but it was with josh allen earlier on in his career and they just kind of basically played like navy plays and used him Mm -hmm. as like a russian quarterback almost exclusively that's what you need to do right just say screw it we're just gonna run the ball the whole day and just run the (laughs) ball with josh allen do like wishbone formations uh, read options like option shovel passes like the throw in like run everything through i formation essentially that's the Dude, way. You know what? That's the get way an elite, the Get an elite running back if you're Buffalo, man. Like, Singletary and Cook don't cut it. I like, think Cook has potential. He has potential, but, like, you, like, if there was a team to make the McCaffrey trade besides the Niners, it was the Bills. I mean, they tried. They tried. Okay, the Bills have picked 20... No, what is the... Pick 27. 
in the draft if Bijan falls to them? I, I, he's not falling to 27. Just saying. I was thinking the same thing. He's not falling to 27. You never know. Running backs in recent years have become highly devalued. If Bijan falls to them, they have to take him. I don't think he's going to fall to them either, but never know. That'd be interesting, though, for sure. It'd be fun. It'd be so fun. I mean, Saquon's going to be, what, a free agent? Yeah. Sign Saquon. People, if I'm Buffalo, I'm going all that in was, on That Saquon. was one of the things people were saying, is that the Bills should sign Saquon. But uh, I yeah. don't know, because they're going to have to pay him 13 to 15 He's not going to come for less, and then it's just Dude, your your window is so short. If you're Buffalo, your window is so short. If you're everyone, no, but especially Buffalo, like Diggs is only going to get older. Like you, you have like a two to three year window where you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Maximize that. Yeah, Matt Milano is not getting any younger. We'll see what happens. I think for step one is making the AFC Championship game, and then going mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. Because if the Chargers are competent, I think they have the team to potentially make it to the championship game, right? At least the divisional <laughs> next year. The Raiders are a quarterback away from making it to the divisional, right? The Raiders are so much more than a quarterback away from making. It. No, they they have a potential. No, I think if you if you put, if you have a good quarterback, you get us some cornerbacks too, huh? How about you don't that? need cornerbacks Finally? in modern NFL? You see the blitz every single time. Are you time. joking? You see the blitz every single time. The Seahawks were relevant this season because, because of, of cornerbacks. Yeah. No, I know, I know. Uh, I mean, hey, there's free agency, but they're almost a, a quarterback away from making it to the divisional. And the the, a, the AFC is, is going to be a tough, tough division, a uh, tough, tough conference for the next three to four years. The fact that Buffalo is probably the third best team in the AFC is just terrifying for Wait, trying to win. What do you as mean, AFC team? I mean, the Bengals, the Chiefs, and I think the third best team in the AFC is Buffalo. Oh, okay, good. Sorry, sorry, I miscounted. I thought you were saying they were at the fourth, and I was like, are you saying the Jags are better than them? No, no, no. I mean, dude, Jacksonville is a couple of pieces away from being in that Buffalo team. Exactly. The Chargers, I think, coaching decisions away and non-injuries away. Maybe a speedy wide receiver there. That's like five, that's five, six teams up there already. The Ravens. You you just named like eight things that the Chargers need. No, 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 no. Just, okay, coaching is like, that's whatever, but... And just injure people have a good roster. They just stay uninjured. Uh, the Ravens as well, right? Never gonna forget, dude. I I feel really bad for the Ravens, man. Every year it's just like Lamar's hurt in the playoffs. Like, I I want one healthy year for that team before I see Lamar on another. He should team. just. He should, I don't even. He should, ta- he should take a Brady Deflategate tap penalty and only start playing in Week Four or Week Five. Dude, he should just hibernate for like weeks twelve through seven. No, no, no. Like let Huntley just play. But then, some, no. Like, but then you, you need to play like a couple games to get back in the groove. But if you just like completely take the first five games off, then like by the time you know the playoffs come around, you'll squeak in, but you'll be in like full season form. So the Lamar Jackson cycle is like look like the greatest player of all time for eight weeks, get hurt for like five weeks, come back for two weeks, and then get hurt again every year without fail. Just got to shift the schedule around so the eight weeks are at a good time frame. Get the man some pass protection, too. That. And a better offensive coordinator. But Please. Greg Roman's mad over it. But, yeah, that does it. Please watch the championship games this weekend and see who wins. See who makes it the Super Bowl. Um, Aditya and I are going to be going to the Super Bowl to cover that. That'll be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, we're gonna go there on YouTube TV. Yeah, see us on, on your couches. See us on your TVs. I'm not lying about this one at all. We we were Aditya did ask if we potentially wanted to go to Salt Lake City. Are you still trying to do that? I don't think Utah is a great place to go. So. I agree. I was also talking about it, and I was like, "What are we like? If we see somebody famous, are we supposed to be like, hey, like, like is this like you're gonna see them for the second, and that's it? Like, it's gonna be very ephemeral. There's not gonna be like a actual interaction to be had there, because yeah, it's more of like there's just like a ton of events put on by the league during All Star. Like, no, I'm not talking about like you know like Dunk Contest three point and everything. Like, there's like shoe expos and like there's all these like player forums and like random cool shit like that. So maybe in a better city next year well i like, was gonna say the advantage of it being in salt lake is that there's only like five places they can do things because there's only five things to do in salt lake so yeah it's like it's like go watch the three-point contest and then learn about soaking like that's that's what all-star break in utah is but there's a bit of a wrinkle with all-star weekend this year is that the draft's going to take place right before the game which actually i think that makes it interesting but i'm gonna miss the tnt draft special because it's always so funny that's like the oh, one dude, the look. one L of this this All Star weekend is like seeing uh when James Harden who was it, James Harden that wasn't getting picked up by anyone? Yeah, no, it was it was Rudy Gobert and James Harden left. Yeah. And Harden had just got it traded to the Sixers and you know, he was like like quote unquote hurt for the couple weeks before that draft and Durant had the pick. And LeBron's like covering his face with a clipboard. Barkley is absolutely. And then somebody's off. like, somebody's like, oh, you need some size, huh, Katie? And Katie's like, yeah, I need some size. Good one. Yeah. Let me pick up Gobert. Oh my god, <sighs> I'm gonna miss that. That's gonna be so much. But maybe it'll be funnier in person. No, it's gonna be cool. Like, like we when we used to like play basketball. Oh, it's gonna be that type of thing. Like, uh, yeah, we just pick like right before playing like that's gonna be awesome like you don't have time to think about like what you're gonna do like you don't know if you're gonna be playing with you know laurie markinen or like i don't know like kyrie irving like it's it's all gonna be like very impromptu you're not gonna have a lot of time to process what's going on it's just lace up and play and i think that's gonna be awesome it'd be a lot of fun we're gonna see what players really think when it comes time to draft that'll actually now that you're saying that that's actually gonna be a lot of fun and I hope Durant plays. Like I really, he, hope he, he said he's going to play. He said he's going to yeah. do everything in his power to play. I'm just curious yeah. as to who's going to be the captain, him or Giannis. So we'll see about that. No, well, he's. I think KD's going to be the leading vote getter. Right? Yeah, at the last count, Giannis was. He overtook KD. Oh, he slightly. was. Oh, the, Giannis will be fun. I, mean, I know he's going to take Steph first, assuming Steph's going to be the starter. I think he will. Bron's probably going to take. I mean, assuming who's starting, right? Like it's going to be. Steph, Luca. I think Bron might take Luca, man. That'd be cool. That'd be cool to watch. If AD makes it, he'll be the first reserve taken by Bron. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that before All Star. We'll do. We'll like do a, like a, a draft. Draft. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But thanks for listening. As always, like, comment, subscribe. We'll catch you for a Super Bowl preview next week. Yes. Take care. Enjoy your football. Peace. Yeah.